Honestly, I feel like we should start off on the sour note of they have found Julian Sands' remains, and yeah. it is no longer an open case. It's very heartbreaking. Yeah, and sadly, this has been a running thread. We were kind of like keeping up with this a little bit because we i i literally i mean i feel bad about this it sucks i did not really learn who he was until the you know i watched warlock sometime earlier i think this year maybe late last year and then i started seeing him pop up in other things just like oh and i really liked him uh he was in naked lunches when we started talking about him and it was around the time probably where i noticed him for the first time and like it's a it's a great role he does very well in it and yeah he's a very charismatic very interesting actor like very handsome yeah he's got a great angular face yeah and he had the circumstances of all this are just very sad so you know yeah r.i.p julian um you know as far as i'm concerned reigning still champion of of WPM, so yeah, uh, I've never seen any of the Warlock movies, so I think that'll be uh, this October. I'll yeah, I'll go the, through them so I can. The first one, fantastic! Like truly, yeah. had such a great time with it. It's a Steve Miner movie, the director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and uh, the American House and things like that. Uh, director I really like, and it, it is just it's a blast. That movie is a really really fun time. Um, I think I always equated them with the Phantasm movies because I yeah. had never seen either. And like you hear, oh, Phantasm's really good, and then all the sequels are kind of like, uh. No, but... they, well, about Phantasm, that's not entirely true. Um, we're, look, we'll, we'll, let's get into it because uh, it, it, it what I was about to say pertains to this month. Uh, this month here on The Weekly Podcast Massacre, where it is Three Lie. Uh, and what I mean by that is that every single month we have a different theme for this podcast. This is the beginning of our third year, our second anniversary. And so we're talking about number threes in horror franchises. Uh, I am your host, Greg, with a three instead of an E. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. I almost did, too. I started saying my name. and I was like, oh, wait, you have a gimmick now. That's right. <laughs> uh, and with me is my co-host. Hi, I'm Michael from Portland, but everyone calls me Murphy. Yeah, and I was about to say, Phantasm 2 and 3 are both fantastic, and I came very close to picking number 3 for today's episode. I know I've seen all of them except one. Wait, what? Uh, I've seen I've seen all of them except one film, oh. and I don't know if it was 2 or 3, because it was um, they were covered on Joe Bob. Right. And he was literally like, didn't cover one. And he was just like, I'm just going to explain to you the plot of it. And we're moving on. So he didn't cover two because I think the rights to that one are kind of fucked up. And I think it's still, okay. I think two is still weirdly unavailable in a lot of places. Interesting. Um, I can't remember exactly how I watched it, but two might be the best one. No, the first one's the best one. But like outside of that, it's either two or three. It's, it, but there's a toss up between those two. Um, they were cooking with magic. Around that time. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, welcome to 3 Lie, everybody. And today on the podcast, let's just let's just start right out and say it. We're talking about Return of the Living Dead 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, sequel to one of the just full stop greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. It, it has been one since I was like 16, maybe even before that. I was like, this movie fucking rocks. 
and yeah. I need to show it to everybody I That's, can. It's around that age where I first great. saw it too. Yeah. And yeah. a very similar thing where I just like anytime of uh, my friends, you know, I managed to get people together to watch a movie, I would show them Return of the Living Dead. And every single time it just like would grow in my estimation because I would show it to people and everybody would be like similarly impressed with it and be like, this was a really fucking great time. And it just started to to become my go to thing of like, oh, if you haven't, if you're looking for a horror movie to watch, watch Return of the Living Dead. I just would not stop talking about it, and it just kind of turned into one of those things where it's like I kind of just like dawned on me that's like, this isn't my all timers club, you know? Like this is this is mm-hmm. way up there, and then mm-hmm. just the more I see it, I find something else about it to be to be impressed about, and um, it's a pretty perfect movie. Like yeah. it is. So many callbacks, like everything is the, it's a well-oiled machine. There's really no fat yeah. on it at all. Like I was actually maybe looking, one thing I would say is like, uh, so I was looking that there is an actor who has been in all three of them and it was Scuzz from the first one. And I was like, Scuzz? Yeah, oh, I guess the guy with the mohawk who is he the one? No, it's he the one that says like trash is taking off her clothes again. Yes, and then he, okay. uh, yeah, he has a couple of funny lines in that. Um, he has that one about like they, you know, they see the tar man and they're like, let's call the cops, and he says no because the cops are just gonna kick our ass. <laughs> yeah, um, he has the whole thing about he's the one who suggests going into the cemetery. And oh, he's just like, and he's you know, the one with the boombox, right? Yeah, and he's just like, okay. I just, I never knew anybody that died before. Um, I'm gonna talk mm-hmm. about that guy. He is in this movie. I will yep. say he I I think his character in the first one's pretty fun. I don't really even remember what the fuck he does in the second one, and he's in a pretty I minor role was, in this one. Uh, uh, zombies, like there was a, yeah. another word of just like random zombie. Yeah, multiple zombies. Um, I so yeah, fun character in the first one, but I gotta say, fuck that guy, convicted child molester. Oh, I didn't even look that far. Yes. Yeah, let's fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. Not only that. But, and this, I, we're not going to dwell on this because, like, you know, just I don't want to bum everybody out for a long time. But, like, uh, he, even after his conviction through some, like, work loopholes, whatever, still managing to be a dialogue and acting coach on Nickelodeon's kid shows. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because I think there's, like, other adults around and it's, like, the, the entertainment industry has weird laws about, like, child labor where it's, you know, technically allowed. It's not technically, like, a children's area or space so he's allowed to be wow. there and he wow as of a couple of years ago was still working on nickelodeon tv shows yeah fuck that guy he sucks he's the worst um and it, it it's really shitty he's associated with this franchise and he still like dines out on it like he was going to horror conventions mm. was like being invited to talks and retrospectives about the series and things like that um, I was going to say, he gets a little slice every time that we have to buy the yeah. new version of the movie. Because oh, it yeah. literally is like, uh, you know, had it on DVD. Oh, I need to buy it on Blu-ray. Oh, I'm yeah. going to have to buy it on 4K. But you know what? Like, I, it, exactly. And I, You Blu-ray, have the vinyl, right? I have the, the vinyl. And I have which the, might I have not the, give him anything. Uh, hopefully not. Probably I also not. Yeah. I definitely didn't get any money from this one, I don't think. But I, I did buy a Japanese Laserdisc, too. So, yeah. <laughs> And then I I do own a Laserdisc player, but I've I've tried to I've played it once, and like Laserdisc's cool in concept, and it's neat to own it and all that stuff. But like sure. I can't see myself. I mean, ever I seriously, even have one. Yeah, I can't see myself ever like seriously sitting down to watch a Laserdisc when I have other options. I, 
I went record shopping with a friend, and as we were, we went to one place, and it had a bunch of laser discs, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, Virtuosity, that's fun. I'll buy that. Three dollars? Why not?" Surely, one of the funniest. I love Virtuosity. One of the funniest I options. Uh, I yeah, it's certainly certainly it's, an interesting batch. It was. I think it might be like the first R-rated movie I like ever saw a majority of, and that was yeah. like unsanctioned. I was uh, allowed to stay late up one night for my cousins were coming into town, and so I was flipping between that and Showgirls. But since like <laughs> I was just like kept it more on virtuosity, and I don't think I've ever actually seen Showgirls oh my in God. full. Oh man, Showgirls! I love that. That's one movie I love. I, that. And come on. You, yeah, me? Why wouldn't I? But I would. I, don't I would know. jump at the chance on that on Laserdisc. You kidding me? Um, but yeah, I don't want to dwell too much on the first one because look, it's a masterpiece, and we kind of have an uns- you know a soft rule on this show that we don't want to like repeat franchises if we can help it. So this may be blocking the, the first one from being picked at a certain point. But if you want to hear me talk about it on a podcast. The best little horror house in Philly. I guessed it on that early on um, in the run of this podcast to advertise this one, and I talked about Return of the Living Dead there. So listen to that. Um, I'll, I'll play. And that did here. you rewatch two? Because no. I did. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make the, the the stance right here. I'll probably never watch two again. I think two is so horrible, um, and it's I, not I, good. I, I think it, I, it's it has the uh, the issue that uh, like Tix has where it is yeah. nearly it is R rated but it is a kids movie. It's a kids like, movie. Your main character is a kid. Oh, so much more than uh, Tix. It, yeah. You got Bobby Bobby Briggs, you know, which right. is great performance. Uh Mitch Pileggi who once you get more into X-Files you'll see him. Right. But it really it didn't offer anything besides like oh they can die from electricity. Which is one of the and, worst things you can do in a sequel is to like it's it's like meta it's like the midichlorians thing in Star Wars you know it's like what was cool about the first one was the zombies were unkillable and like that mm-hmm. is in you know that is a like really important factor of that movie and was it's what makes it so good is that that movie is really fun and funny and it's hilarious and really well made but also. It's one of those things where the more you kind of explore the concepts the movie introduces, you realize that movie is actually scary. Like when you think about it and it gets into your brain and you like think about what is going on here, that the dead are unkillable and they're in constant eternal pain, you know, and there's no explanation for this. That's what makes that movie good to me. It's like, yeah. And then the sequel adding a way to kill them, you completely lost it. Like you, you've ruined what made that first movie interesting. Um, and I would argue that the third movie does the same thing, but in a different way. It completely fails to live up to what that first one established. Um, I, and I realize I'm going to be a little hard. I'm just going to say up front, I'm going to be hard on three. <laughs> as just as I'm very hard on two. But it's because that first one is so, so good. Right. And it's a high bar. Yeah, it's a very high bar. And I think that both two and three had some really good potential. That they completely squander, um, and there's well, some decent talent involved it, in, in those two. Yeah, and that's the thing that like there are some good performances uh, into like I mean Dana Ashbrook, Ashbury, yeah. Ashbrook, Ashbrook, um, yeah, Ashbrook. Uh, you know he's a very talented actor, and like as we've seen in Twin Peaks, like 
beginning and return. Uh, the doctor was also pretty fun. He's like, yeah, kind he's all right. Yeah. yeah, like it's you know, there's some something to that. Like his sister's horrible. The the bully kids are really bad. There's no real like uh, impressive shot or set design or or no. anything in it. Um, this one, there's there's it has things going for it, and it's such a, a bizarre thing because we got to get into like writer director, but to have yeah, you know, Dan O'Banion. You know, one of our champions yeah. in, you know, just life. Like, I want to be like him, <laughs> minus the libertarianism. Um, but everything else, yeah. Everything else, yeah. Uh, you know, he he kind of just, again, we'll stop talking about it, but he struck gold. And someone else tried to mine this vein, and they got pure shit each yeah, time. Absolutely. And, and it's it's, it's and that thing where... two you, other sequels, like sci-fi originals was it uh rave to the grave and uh, necropolis necropolis that's what it was yeah yeah which i mean it took me so many years to even watch um i feel like i watched two not too long after i saw the first one for the first time absolutely hated it this is my first time watching three it took me this long i've loved this movie for maybe 13 14 years the first one and i'm only just now watching three because two made me that upset um, and I had heard throughout the years, I've, I've heard a lot of defenders of three. I know people that are big fans of this. Um, like, you know, people say that, it's, Hey, it's actually pretty decent. It's got its own thing going for it. Like it's kind of, you know, it gets at something that's pretty interesting and it's got a unique premise, which it does. I yeah. think that the premise is pretty good. Um, and a little ahead of its time because like, essentially we'll talk about the, so the, it's directed by, by, um, Brian Usna who we just talked about because he produced Ticks. Um, mm-hmm. But he was a producer of Reanimator, got a lot of success off of that, writer of From Beyond, and um, a few other uh, movies. We, reigning champion, because we've covered yeah. a movie that he directed on this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't say that first. He wrote and directed Society, um, right. which our uh, friend Kill is a massive, massive fan of. It's amazing to me. It When you do something... And the more you do it, you're supposed to get better at it. <laughs> but it is just like the exact opposite yeah. looking at his filmography. I'm pretty sure it's between... kind of astounding. Yeah, seriously. And I want to champion the guy because he's been involved in some great stuff. And I, society, I feel bad because like, I feel like each time I watch society, I kind of notice a little more like flaws. Um, mm-hmm. But that ending is just so outrageous and so good that, like, I think it it does save what is kind of a mediocre movie. Um, you know, I want to love Society, but I think I'm as I watch it, where I realize like maybe I don't love it. I do like it though. But uh, I want to champion this guy. But yeah, you're right. His track record does not do many favors. I think between Society and Return of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead three, he did like. Silent Night, Dead Night Four and Five. Like he wrote one, uh, yeah, and maybe like directed one. I don't know, but yeah, yikes, man, ye yikes. Um, so I, I'm such a big fan of Return of the Living Dead that I own this book called The Complete History of the Return of the Living Dead, and it's a wonderful, really comprehensive and informative book about the history of the entire franchise. So it goes over the conception of the first one, how that came to be, kind of the state of zombie movies around the time, how Dan O'Bannon got involved. He's interviewed. You get his entire process about how he wrote it and directed it. Lots of 
stories from behind the scenes. Sadly, a lot of interviews with Brian Peck. I think this is maybe before all that stuff happened. Um, at least I hope so anyway. I don't remember the exact dates. But um, really great book. And in that book, uh, they also go over the history of 2 and 3. And it, it is really fascinating. And so Brian Yusna is very much... He's really open about the process of making this movie. Him and uh, the writer, um, who I cannot remember his name right now, but th- th- there was a lot of interviews with them. And they were both really big fans of the first one. Actually, the writer of this was like an assistant cameraman or assistant editor, maybe. Oh, interesting. On, on the first movie. Uh, John Penny is his name. I just found it in my notes. So they they really go in depth on like their creative process for three. And it's it's really interesting because like, I kind of agree with all their reasoning. I just think the actual product really falls flat. Most of the execution does not actually come through. And there there are some really um, There's bright spots. interesting effects. Yeah. Right, right. Because they their version of the Tar Man I kind of like and is maybe the highlight. There's another like zombie thing later on. And just the idea of uh you know the the lovers and trying not to eat someone that you care about like yeah. there is stuff in here that could do well in a movie i think it it just it's i mean they didn't have any money like the no, sets right. are horrible yes uh, and i'm sure all of it went into the special effects but it's just story wise like and a lot of the characters i'm just like i'm so confounded by it's yeah. a pretty racist movie as yes. well. Sh- shockingly so. Yeah. Like overly <laughs> racist. Um uh yeah, I you know, and I'm so confounded by how it got here. Yeah. And that it was just like, okay, sure, why not? And again, we briefly talked about this had a small theatrical run because like I saw they said a theatrical cut of the movie. And then the direct-to-video was non-rated. Right, exactly. And um, interesting about that, and I just did this for Exorcist 3, our last episode, where I watched two different versions. <laughs> but I did, I did right. it again, where the first one I watched, I, I was a theatrical. It just happened to be the one that was available on, like, Tubi, I think it was, or where, whatever streaming service. And then I, I found a link that fell off a truck that it ha- just happened to be the unrated one. Because as I was watching it, I was like, I don't remember this, like, playing out this way and then i looked into it I'm like, oh there's an unrated version that has more gore which i think is the better version and it also just has minor changes it's like something like 10 seconds in terms of the difference of the runtime and i thought i had read like 60 maybe six, maybe cut. you're right yeah i think 60 he cut but i think the unrated cut is a mix of like some stuff i don't know okay but anyway there's like a lot of different reaction shots and so like certain sequences mm. like kind of have a different feeling because of the shot selection, and I think it makes it better, um, but just slightly. Uh, it doesn't like fix the story or the script or anything. I think that's my. I wonder big... if all of our like recent movies are going to be like that. Exorcist three, we had mimic. <laughs> I know. Yeah. This one, maybe it's, next it's, week's. We'll it's, see. It's not on purpose. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it's been happening. Um, I think it just happens a lot with horror because they get so they get hit so hard by the MPAA, and they're right. forced to make cuts and things like that. Um, or like studios will panic and be like, no, remove all the gore because you know, we can't release it like this. Uh, so I don't want to talk too much about the book 
but I, you know, because we're going to be here all day if I'm relaying every single point of information. But I do want to read a really interesting quote from one of the various special effects supervisors because Brian Newsom talked about he had a method uh, for horror movies that I think it kind of pays off sometimes. I think it's an interesting idea. But essentially, he would outsource different sequences to different effects companies. And he says it would create a weird kind of competitive, uh, competitive nature between them where he would show one effects company what another one did and he would be like, can you guys do this or match this or do better? And they would try to prove right. themselves and try to up one up the other sequences. Very like, fascinating. That's, that's a really interesting idea. I do think it leads to a disjointed nature in the effects in this movie in particular. Possible. And it also leaves us leads us to just the state of movie making right now where we have 50 different effects houses working on quantum mania and by the end of the day it just looks like dog shit yeah and you know what i deal with that at work where i mean that's part of my job working in tv is that i have to deal with a lot of different uh finishing houses and some of the shows i work on they work with six seven different like vfx houses and Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot to manage um, so yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting. I wonder if he was maybe not a pioneer of that, but like he definitely played a part in the early like you know version of it. So anyway, this guy Thomas C. Raynon, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he was interviewed for the book. Talked about how he loved working on it. He was really excited to work on this movie and everything, and put a lot of himself into this work. Um, however, he said this quote. He says, "I must I must be honest." I hated Return 3 script, man. Each week that went by, the script was being stripped more and more of its horror elements as the malignancy of all that I loathe started to take shape, as the production was being geared as an art film. I was livid and then maddened, as this is not only just insanity, but literally the essence of everything that was threatening to utterly destroy the horror genre. Even worse than the dreaded horror comedies popular at the time. Yes, Julie was dead, but not rotted. And yes, she was yearning for brains and controlling it with self-mutilation. But that was it. And it was not to rely upon the standard Herschel Gordon Lewis bloody exploitation visuals. <laughs> he's saying this in kind of a weird way, but I know what he's saying. Like, Yeah. No, no I get his, his t- tone for it. And it's also, I think, the problem is that none of the sequels like really understood the tone of the original. Yeah. And that it is a horror comedy, but it's not cheaping out on any of the horror. Yes. And that and it he... is actually like like a uh, a structured part of that film. Yeah. And he goes on to say, say something very similar. He says, Now, Return of, the, Return of the Living Dead was a tremendous effort. I loved that movie, which was also a horror pick that was ironically one of the very, very few black horror comedies that truly worked. Then came its awaited sequel, Return 2, which was literally one of the worst films and relentlessly disappointing sequels ever made that ensured fans would never even bother to see its follow-up, unless it was a dead picture with balls attached. Like... And I think he's completely right. Like he is yeah. so correct here. It is it's this thing where you're you're totally right. They lean into the comedy of two, right? And in in the book for the history of two, they talk about how the director of that movie didn't even like horror movies and didn't want to be making a horror movie. And then you well, go that's to three. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's like why would the fuck would you hire him? Um, you go to three and you get a horror director who made a movie like Society, which like look like I said. I think it's got its issues. I don't love that movie as much as I once did. 
but it's a horror movie, right? And then Brian Musen decides, you know what? I want to be different, which, look, for a part three, maybe that's a decent idea, but you can't, like, do what he did, where he's like, I want to focus on the romance. And it's like, uh, that's not exactly what people are coming to see in a Return of the Living Dead movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you can do that. That's not a big issue. Why does it have to be Return of the Living Dead? Unless it's just, like, the name recognition and two did so badly that i can now afford the rights to it yeah exactly i can scoop them up i can just like slap something together and make money exactly i I don't know i I don't doubt that brian usna and john penny the writer like had their heart in this i think they were invested but i think it just comes down to like a lack of budgets and maybe usna like i think he's probably a better producer than he's a director you know based on reanimator it it may be diminishing returns with him like i I do there's not a lot of great direction i would say yeah in this movie he wrote and directed a bride of reanimator which i remember liking i haven't seen i like that one but again like that was very early on like at least three years before this too right um i do want to ask because this leads to a very interesting question we're saying that this is straying too far from what we want from return of the living dead right um like what we liked about it but it does raise the good question i think we did ask this for part two is like what do you want in a part two what makes a good part two but what mm. makes a good part three what do we want in a franchise by this point well you think about Friday, yeah. and it has, you know, them working at a a strip mall on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, is when he gets his hockey mask. Is That's what I was, like, I was expecting I... you to be talking. When you said Friday, I, I pictured Friday 3, Friday, part, Friday the 13th part 3, and not... Oh, not Friday after next? Yes, exactly. I didn't think that's where you're going to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a bait and switch. Yeah, I'm good at that. Uh, I don't know. Like, even thinking about, um, I guess it depends on how far along it is. Is it, uh, like a Ghostbusters 3? Is it a generation later where we're gonna let kids play with nuclear, nuclear reactors? Right. Is it gonna be, uh, or like, point. you know, Freddy, where it's, you know, the Dream Warriors, which is yeah. maybe the best one of the series. So, okay, so let's let's see. What what are, speaking in terms of horror, because I think horror part threes are a very specific thing. What are what are the good, I mean, we were talking about some. Well, it's like The Exorcist 3. We liked it, right? What makes that a good part three for The Exorcist? So we two... like it with a caveat, though. Like, yeah. it is technically a sequel, to the first one like where two is not even uh an inkling and i guess that's that is is it a a returning character is it something like what do i want in avatar 3 is actually what i'm thinking about right now i'm trying not to but um (laughs) i i think it's maybe like handing off i think that's the thing is you want to see one and two with like maybe like a specific person group of people and then by three, like it's it's a passing of the torch, right? That kind of feels blood. like the, like a sort of trend, right? Yeah. So okay, here's the. Th- I mean, I I think you can't apply this to movies in general because just based on what you're talking about right now and other examples I'm thinking of, I think this is a very common thing for part threes to do. But you have a first movie that let's just say it's successful. Let's say it's like you know Indiana Jones, right? It's Raiders right Lost Ark. Number two 
it can go one of two ways, right? Either it can be more successful or it can be a failure, a failure, you know. And so, two at Temple of Doom, I think it was successful, but it kind of struck people the wrong way, right? It was a little too it dark. Goes dark. Right. It was right. A, little, a little not as like rollicking as the first one. You had some characters that rub people the wrong way. I think uh, a lot of the behind the scenes, everybody was going through their like first yes, divorce. Exactly. So it was yeah, just a lot of internal strife within yeah. them, and like that's that's coming out. Right. And it, so then you get to Last Crusade, and what happens is they bring back the Nazis as bad guys. It's much more of like of a piece with Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's got the lighter tone. The comedy is amp- is amped way up. Right. So I I I've watched these recently. Yeah. And I I would say that The Last Crusade is Spielberg's funniest movie. I it probably is more oh, of yeah. a comedy. It but that's the thing. So the first one there is a lot of humor, but it is dark. It's an action adventure movie. Right. The second one is just action like adventure. And then this one is more like a comedy with an action-adventure backdrop. Yes. It's like the fucking Adam Sandler movies that they're doing now. What, what are those called? The, uh, like him and blend, Jennifer Aniston. Like blended? Yeah. No, it's like murder mystery. Right, It's like, right, oh, right. I get to go to Paris and shoot a movie yes. with all my friends. Yeah. I guess my, the point I'm making is that part threes are often course corrections. Right? Mm. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Like, there's there's always a time, not always, but there's often, like, okay, we have to get back to what made the first one successful. Or you can go the Halloween 3 route and be like, we have to do something different. And I think that Return of the Living Dead Part 3 is a combination of both, where we have to go back to what made the first one better. So we have to, we have to axe a lot of the comedy, right? We're going to take out so many comedic elements that, like, it's barely recognizable as the same franchise. But we also have to course correct, so we're going to be very true to like, uh, or no, we have then we what we have to do something different too. So it's a romance, and we're going to kind of actually intentionally avoid trademarks of this franchise. So there's no more brains. There's you know very little like um, I would say like of the kind of darker implicate. Is this really even that dark of a movie? It kind of is, but like. I, yeah, I, it's, it's I, I would say thing. it is with, uh, I mean, there's a lot of characters who don't deserve what they get, like, yeah. especially Riverman, like, he is probably, like, the most noble person we've ever talked about on this podcast, <laughs> but he's just been shunned from society. Um, he doesn't deserve his fate. No. But on on the other hand, it is, um, I don't think it's interested in in trying to like relate to everything and it's kind of giving us something new in terms of the spreading of the the zombie disease something that i got brought up in a review or something i was reading they don't really the, the the disease or whatever you want to call it doesn't seem to transfer by bites in either of the first two no and you're gonna say hey what about trash and i'm gonna go well she was in the cemetery being rained on as she died right yes we saw suicide like brains get eaten and you know he never came back um they throw that out in this one like i don't think that is a thing in two 
Yeah. If I remember correctly. And I, so I now this remember. one is, oh, if you get bitten, you, you're going to become a zombie. Which is something I think we've all generally, like, believed before. Like, that makes sense. But yeah. uh, this is... It's, it's playing fast and loose a lot. Right. And it's just randomly like, oh, hey, let's have the trioxin. Let's throw yeah. that in there. I, that That's the thing that just, that's the, like the one thing this carries over. It's just kind of like some of the lore. That's right? it. And that's the thing. Like, it doesn't even need to. Like, it does It was just IP. Okay, we have to have this thing. Yeah. And I, I would argue, too, that, like, there's just so many ways that this movie could have pulled this off. If you had leaned into, like, a black horror comedy romance, that's not a bad idea because I think that the situation is inherently funny, but they seem to be dodging jokes, if that makes any sense. You know, it's like yeah. when, when Julie is in the convenience store and she's sitting on the floor eating all the snacks, that feels like something that you could play for comedy and have it work. But instead, they, like, try to mind the tension of, like, being threatened by this kind of, you know... Mexican well, caricature of a gang, like it's. I feel like I feel like it's tr- when it's trying to be funny, it's just coming off as racist. <laughs> like I feel like all of those characters are the comedic relief, yeah, right? But it's just racism. It's just racist, and it's, the weird part about it is like I don't even I want to say it's the fault of of Yuzna or 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 Perry because I was seeing that like apparently they allowed them to improvise a lot, you know. But something about it still just doesn't come. Uh, so it's hard to say if that was the actor's choices to like do that. Right. Then that's one yeah. thing, I well, guess. Yeah, that's why like ninety five percent of his dialogue is essay. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. But that also does not explain the Riverman character and like the the mm. trope that it falls into. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that. Uh, should we give some recommendations? Yes, and then we'll get uh, deeper into the movie for sure. Into plot. Yeah. Yeah. Start us off. What you got? Um, well, I finally finished Succession. Nice. And, uh, it was, it was, I I actually, so one of my things was, oh, I want this one character to be happy. And then as the show ended, I was like, fuck, I should be careful what I wish for because (laughs) that's pretty much what happened. And I, I don't think there was, I mean, it, it is a resolution, but it's, it's again, not what I actually wanted. Uh, for for every character, and I, it's it is a it is a wonderful show though. I was very apprehensive about uh, finishing or like continuing after the first season. Like I really like it. the The score is phenomenal. Ooh. There's a great variety YouTube video of the composer like talking how it's like a mix between you know uh, hip hop and classical, and it's just like it is. It's a great score, some wonderful acting and writing, but I was just like, I'm not really compelled enough. There's there's nothing that's happened that makes me go, I'm going to watch the second season. Yeah. And then in that last episode, they, they did do something. I was like, well, I'm kind of hooked now. And um, that one thing got brought up in two, got brought up in three, and was like a very important thing, and then hadn't been brought up in like the whole entirety of the fourth season and like the last fifteen minutes of the show, like they brought it back, and Whoa. I was like, "Oh, it's it's so compelling." That's fascinating. Um, it's 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 four seasons. I think only like ten episodes a season. Yeah, you can you can binge it pretty quickly. It was it was great. Like 
a lot of characters you you hate, but yeah. a lifestyle that you wish you had. It's <laughs> you wish you could just just set to you know to the Caribbean for you know to meet with your mother. It's 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 one, it's one of those things where I I've seen the pilot. It was something I enjoyed. The, I joined the pilot. I know I would like it. I just had to actually like invest time in it. You know. Yeah, Brian yeah. Cox is great. I love Brian um, Cox. Uh, James Cromwell is Ooh. in the show, and I love when he shows up. Yeah, I like it's Alan, very I rare. Love, but I love yeah. Alan Ruck. I think Alan Ruck is great. He's so funny in the yeah. show because he's kind of the dumb one of the the siblings, and uh, he eventually starts trying to run for president. Oh my and god! It's just. It is so great. Oh, that's great. I, I also am recommending a TV show. Um, have you seen any of Jury Duty on Freebie? I have not, but it is on my list because it, I have it's heard fantastic. the concept and it does yeah. seem magical. The concept is amazing. If anyone is listening and they don't know what it is, basically it's uh, a really fascinating mix of like a reality show, a prank show, and like a scripted sitcom um and the reason for that is because there's this guy named ronald who agreed to appear in a documentary about jury duty so he volunteered to to be to go to jury duty and he thought okay there's going to be cameras there they're going to record everything and it's all going to be a documentary so he's going to give talking ahead interviews He's going to be aware of cameras in the courtroom and things like that, you know. Um, however, what he doesn't know is that the entire trial and everybody involved in it, every juror, every bailiff, the judge, both lawyers, the defendant, the plaintiff, everybody is an actor working and improvising based off a of loose script. And so things will happen that are scripted like a sitcom, mostly like The Office. And I was saying that one of the mm-hmm. creators like did also work in The Office. So it's basically like a normal guy is living in The Office, but it's a jury, it's a it's a trial, and he doesn't know he's in a TV show. It's it, fucking insane. Yeah, it sounds so wonderful. Uh, it reminds me, did you ever watch the rehearsal with Nathan Nathan Fielder? No, but I I need to. I mean, I, I feel like it's I feel I've seen it compared a lot to that. Yeah, because it is like kind of taking advantage of a normal guy sort of it's you know fascinating the rehearsal was fascinating and it it really got to the end of the season and i i could not tell if it is reality or scripted like there are things that are happening i'm like they they couldn't have made this up i don't know how that happened and i think it is just nathan like recording the absurdity of the situations he's putting himself into. Yeah. And I can only imagine what they're doing with uh, a trial. Is it like a murder trial? Is it, No, it, uh, it's like a, it's like a, um, like a, not small claims. Cause I think like the claim is it's a, it's a lot, but it's, it's like a property suit okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Like a damages. I think small yeah. claims is just a judge. So that would make sense. Right. I, I got to get into it. Yeah. It sounds phenomenal. It's good. It's like, uh, I mean, the, the, it's a crazy thing where, I mean, talking about how Return of the Living Dead, you know, you laugh and you kind of think about it more and you're like, it's kind of fucked up. Semi-similar <laughs> thing with, with jury duty where it's funny, but then the entire concept of it and like the fact that they're gaslighting this guy and like basically putting him through a real life Truman Show event for like three weeks, I think is how long it takes place over. You're like, this guy legitimately believed all of this was real. And all of these actors that he's interacting with, 
like he be- forms relationships basically with each of them that are completely false. And so it's like the more you think about it, the more you realize like how insane this concept is. Mm-hmm. And um, like there, there's a lot you can look into. Like the 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 aftermath of it is really fascinating too. Like the guy has gone on to like speak about it a lot and be interviewed about it a lot. Like, hey, what was this like when you've learned? that everything was fake and now you have to do press for this like as it's coming out it's, it's really interesting exactly yeah, yeah. so God, I, I, I wonder who would you get paid for something yeah, like that right? to be like you're uh indirectly like the star of a show and you don't even know it yeah so we're gonna like compensate you on the back end or is it just like oh it's reality you got you got a stipend for your jury duty. yes that's, <laughs> that's what you made you know uh, uh so you signed over show. your rights yeah, highly yeah. recommend that. I also saw Asteroid City. I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but great fucking movie. I absolutely loved it. I liked it. it a lot. I yeah. I had a few, like, I don't know about this thing, but overall I was very impressed. I was kind of surprised there's not a lot of... I saw it in a full theater. There nice. wasn't a lot of laughing. That's insane. It was like, I feel like I was kind cracking of ch- up throughout the whole thing. Yeah, There were chuckles. I was smiling a lot, but I don't feel like throughout the whole movie there were so many, like everybody in the theater is is mm. like laughing i i could not have had a more different reaction i feel like it slayed our audience like we were all well, laughing a whole lot um, that's the difference between uh portland and la <laughs> we're very hard to impress and uh this movie takes place in la right it does i think so at least i was i i, I believe yeah uh, it was shot it in seems Santa like it was Clarita. shot around yeah. yeah, shot in Santa Clarita, which is not too far from L.A. Yeah. They're in the L.A. River at one... Is that the L.A. Mm-hmm. River? It is, okay. yeah. That's, uh, so that, that's, that's what I shot, That's the stuff that was shot in location. Yes, let's right. get into it. The cast. We have J. Trevor Edmond as Kurt Reynolds. Melinda oh, Clark. Great hair. Great hair. Melinda Clark great as, hair. as Julie Walker. The absolute standout MVP. And the real tragedy of this movie, she's fucking amazing. I think she is so good in this. And it's completely wasted on this this movie. Um, Hate the character. I think she does a great job at at getting yeah. to the core of that. Yeah. What she's asked to do, I think she absolutely nails hardcore. And she, I think she's acting circles around like everybody in this movie. Um, yeah. Kent McCord uh, as Colonel John Reynolds. James Callahan as Colonel Peck. Sarah Douglas as Colonel Sinclair. We have Julian Scott Urena as Mogo. Uh... Pia Rennes as Alicia, <laughs> Sal Lopez as Felipe, Basil Wallace as Riverman, and the other MVP of this, Clarence Epperson as the cadaver, um, who is the test zombie in the beginning. So uh, we began, and like I, immediately, I was like kind of excited to be finally watching this. I was like, you know what? Two is bad, but I know three has a cult following, so let's give this a shot. I'm going to go in with an open mind, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. Instantly, with that title card just like coming in the way it does, and the score behind it, I was just like, "Oh no!" It immediately had like direct-to-video vibes just within the first ten seconds of the movie. Very um, much so. I think that's one of the that's one of the major major problems with this. I think the score is fucking atrocious. I think that the music is really bad. It's really cheap. And like I said, I'm not going to be talking too much about the first one beyond this point. Starting now, I'm not talking about it that much. But the first one in soundtrack Great is music. legendary. Yeah, legendary. Yeah, amazing it's music. so good. I think for me, it was all of the sets. Like, all of the, uh, what do you call it? Like, the military complex. It yeah. honestly looked like it was a uh, a spaceship set. 
Yeah. Like, that you would use for a direct-to-video thing. Like, even the way the bars yes. are when they're doing, uh, you know, the quarantine Where It stuff. looks like a cheap sci-fi TV show or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny, because in, in the book, Brian Eason is, like, really proud of, like, these. He's like, yeah, the, all these were, like, movable walls, and we just kind of re- would reconfigure the walls and create a new military set. And I'm like, oh, you can tell, man. Like, it, it comes through. Yeah, it, you can easily tell. Quite something to be proud of, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I will just say, I, I, we're being mean to Brian Usna, but, like, he's very proud of this movie. And it's like, look, man, I haven't directed a fucking feature film, you know? So, like, it, yeah, I'm glad he's happy with it. And it does have its fans, like I've been saying. So, I, I you know, uh, I, uh, who am I? <laughs> so, we meet Julie pretty early. She's burning her hand to the lighter right away, uh, establishing that her character has some problems. And, or that she likes to play with fire. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. Uh, but more like she's into self-harm. And I think that if this movie, it's trying to be serious about that theme, about the self-harming theme. It just feels like the wrong type of, ter- you know, way to go about this. It doesn't fully, yeah. like, manage to say anything about self-harm or the people I that, feel... like... Yeah, there's there's some metaphor here about relationships changing. Yes. Like, that's what it, it seems to be. Like, even to the point where they get to, like, I like I like the way you used to be, is, like, right. one of the quotes that they use later on. So, there is, like, there's an idea that I guess it is bodily harm, or but it just seems like a people growing apart. But, of course, this one is your rotting corpse. Like, that's yes. the difference. Yeah. I think this is what that special effects I was talking about, where it's like it's trying to be an art movie about self harm, and it's using her death as a metaphor for that, about her fetishization of pain and death. But uh, art it's not, movie just sounds yeah. the wrong definition. It's just not. You know, he may have been misusing that term, but it's not. <laughs> that's the thing. It's, it's not exactly saying anything about this stuff. I don't think. You know. No. I, I don't think. It, I don't think it's really going there. I still think you could tackle the same sort of subject and keep the comedy and more and maybe just as importantly keep the punk sensibility because that is something that is missing from two in this one your characters are ostensibly punks right you have like kurt kind of going against the authority figure of his father who's in the fucking military He's, he's a poser, though. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, he's a prime candidate to be a punk, but he is a poser. I was just going to say that exact right. same thing. Yeah. He's the guy in the first one that was, like, wearing a suit and tie, like, I guess, straight edge <laughs> type guy, you know, like... A little bit, yeah. He's, he's pretending to be. And she's she's pretty punk. She's pretty metal. Yeah. But, um, again, I think she's just a little batshit. Right, exactly. And uh, yeah, so anyway, she's burning her hand. Kurt shows up on his motorcycle. They they are gonna break into the lab his father works in because they hear there's testing going on. It might be yeah. animal testing, and maybe she's sure. interested in stopping that. Is what it kind of says, but like it's not exactly clear. Uh, her friend Mindy says she wants to go to Club Kill instead, and it made me speculate. Like, if our friend Kill ran a club, what would that be like? I think it would be a lot of freeform jazz. And yeah. just like society projected on the wall, on what yeah. society on one wall, uh, the devil's reign on the other, and everyone just kind of blue velvet curtains. Just, yes, you know, exa- yeah, separating exactly. Separating the stage. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, they they waltz right into the military. It's so complex. easy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm here to see my dad. And they're just like, yeah, sure. Uh, he stole his dad's key card, so they unlock it. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. why her licking the card allows him to gain entrance when it doesn't work. And that's something like, you're like, oh, you're going to bring this back later. Like, he's no. going to have to lick the card to use it. Nope. I think it's just her being sexy for a second, which look, she yeah. she is she is sexy. I will, I will give the movie that. Um, she is a beautiful lady. I, yeah. I she's not exactly my type. I oh, I think but. she's I think she's gorgeous. Um so uh this is where we see them performing the tests. This is absolutely one of the best scenes of the movie. Uh it peaks pretty early here, I think. Um because they have this emaciated corpse like strung up in this testing room. And in a Zardoz outfit. Oh, yeah that's, yeah. that's the biggest point you gotta make. It is a red, skimpy jumpsuit. Almost yeah. like the, um, uh, what was it? The Borat yes, bikini. Like bikini, right. Um, yeah. So this is Clarence Epperson as the cadaver, and he's fascinating. There was a lot of details about him in the book. Uh, he was a homeless man that they just kind of spotted and were like, hey, you got the body type we're looking for. You have the look. Like, do you want to be in in this movie? He said yes. He basically only like requested that he was get, like allowed to stay in a hotel during the production. Um, they said that it was incredibly difficult for him because of the makeup and the contacts and everything. But he took it like a champ. Um, his it said his balls kept falling out because like his little like <laughs> codpiece thing would come loose. Um, so, uh, but fascinating guy. They said by the end of it, he was like handing out headshots to people and stuff and like saying like, you know. I'm going to continue working and stuff. Um, Did he? But he's, Do you he's know? great. Did you Not that I know up? of. I don't think so. Uh, I think he was maybe like one other thing. Sad. Um, yeah. but it, They I, actually found him with Julian Sands. <laughs> oh, was... God. Oh, no. <laughs> Look, okay. Def's, I forgot I was going to say. Uh, the reason this had such a limited run in the theater, I think partly aside from it just bombing instantly, was that the same production company also did Warlock 3. Which like completely shat the bed in theaters. Okay, and so they which were... he was not a part of, correct? Sands, I don't remember. I've never seen. I don't it. think so. I don't think, I think he's he was in that just one, in yeah. one and two. Right. So after Warlock three, they were really scared about horror, like low budget horror in theaters. So they were just like, now we're going direct to video. It's going to make its money back that way. Um, and I eventually did. So like they were kind of right to do it, I suppose. Uh, anyway, Clarence Epperson, he's great in the scene. Um, they spray his body with the trioxin. They're testing different methods of controlling the dead in order to turn them into bioweapons, which they say was the original plan for trioxin. I think all the exposition here is fucking terrible. Um, like, it's well, so yeah. heavy. It's so heavy-handed. It's, and I swear, this is the last time I bring up the first one. You think about how they do the exposition in that first one, and it's so fucking good. It is maybe the best exposition speech in a movie ever. Like James, well, Karen, that guy sells it. He's yeah, James Karen so is is uh, is phenomenal. But here you just have Colonel Peck, who was gonna be uh, James Karen at one point, but then I guess for some reason they didn't go with him. See, um, that would have been better because they brought back both of them for yeah, two and right. basically did a same like uh, fate. Like they had right. the same fate. Which is one of the it's breathing in and becoming the zombies. That's one of the few good ideas to had. Yeah, was bringing them back. Um, Mm. So yeah, you just have Colonel Peck being like, ah, you know, I was on the original team and we made it to spray and marijuana, but then that incident in '69 and then the fucking war on drugs, man. Yeah, it's so it's so lame the way they do it in this one. And I I think Colonel Peck 
uh, or J- uh, James Callahan is really bad in this movie as Peck. I think that Kent McCord is really bad as Colonel Reynolds. And I think Sarah Douglas is fucking awful as Colonel Sinclair. And she's like pitching um, her alternate method of control. It's weird. She has a British accent. Kind of? American military? Well, like later on, I was like, that she sounds British. The actress is Oddly. British. Uh, the actress is British, and I think she's trying to hide it sometimes. And it doesn't do a very work. bad job. It never works. So we're gonna speed yeah. through this. Yeah, they bring the cadaver exactly. back. They have a plan to shoot it with like freezing bullets, so that they can then collect the zombies and reuse them as weapons. This is the shittiest plan you could possibly think of for controlling the dead. Um, Colonel Sinclair instead wants to use like robotic exosuits to control them. Still seems crazy, but seems like a better... That's kind of metal, though. Yes, exactly. Seems like a better... Because it's made out of metal. Yes. Oh, there you go. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Colonel Peck has a line about those damn budget-chopping fools in Congress. Uh, Yeah, you know, nothing's changed since 93. But automatically, she sees someone get brought back from the dead, and he's like, hey, we gotta get out of here. Cut to them fucking. Yes, or she's she's kind of excited by it. she's like oh my god that guy was dead and yeah. she's like you can tell she's into it right away I do but like as, this like, yeah after he you know apparently finishes in her she's like <laughs> still talking about a fucking zombie yeah. oh did you hear how he screamed do you yes. think he feels pain so she's very good at doing the kind of Leanna Quigley thing from the first one right that fetish the mm. fetish the death fetish which is what Leanna Quigley had. Yeah, I think trash. that this movie, when, when this movie does get a tiny bit more serious about this subject, about it, about the death fetish, I think this works because the actress is able to sell it. It just doesn't really explore it in an interesting way. So pretty quickly, the dad comes back and he's like, hey, we're moving to, what is it, Oklahoma or something? Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah. and we didn't even mention, like, the experiment goes bad. Like, Oh, yeah. A bunch of the guys die. Like, yeah. Like five minutes and then everybody gets bitten and eaten and it's, it's right. just horrible. Yes. Uh, I so he's say, fuck, yeah, he fucked yeah. off. Um, the son is like, I'm not moving. I'm I'm running away with my girlfriend. He packs his drumsticks because he <laughs> wants to be a drummer in a rock and roll band. I just love, like, no, no, like, I'm taking these. I need these. I can't yeah. replace these, my drumsticks. Uh, all of the melodrum with a dad is not great. Like, it's, you know... <laughs> I think it's, a, again, good concept for this kind of a movie, but there's no, like, take with it. It's just like, yeah, he's a shitty dad, uh, but they try to make you, like, kind of feel bad hey, for the dad provided. later. Okay. I guess, yeah. Like, the mom died at some point, we don't know, but, like, he's he's there. Right. He's showing up. Well, we don't know if he's showing up to, the, like, the softball games or whatever. But... Uh, probably not. He seems like he no. says he's... He's, like, entertaining the idea of him being a drummer because he knows he'll grow out of it. So I think he just sucks. I let you buy yeah. that motorcycle. Right. So they run. he runs off with Julie. Um, on the motorcycle, she starts grabbing his dick and talking about how excited she is to, like, uh, go to Seattle with him. You Can know? I say it? Go Dumb on. bitch got herself killed. I, yeah. I mean, absolutely. This is a very silly thing to do. And uh, he... No helmets. No helmets. He has a he has like a standoff with a truck basically, and he hits a guardrail. It launches her into a pole. It's too it's f- hilarious. Funny. It's too yeah. funny of a death though for this movie. Like it's trying to be serious about this, but it looks ridiculous. And I think the editing of it is kind of bad. Uh, so there's she's a dead. lot of times. Yeah, 
it's trying to be sincere in some way or like scary and it's just more funny right yeah not scary at all this thing like nothing about it um it comes close with some of the gore later i would say is kind of upsetting but like uh you know not really scary it it's made me scared of visiting la (laughs) i'll never know as you what gangs i'm gonna run into in the convenience store exactly yeah so he takes her corpse back to the lab. He sprays it with trioxin. It takes a long. He uses a long... PPE. Yes. Let's let's note that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. There's just a lot of business with him, like getting into the lab, getting the suit on, getting her into the room, spraying the thing. It, this movie's not long at all, but it does like take its time in places. There's yeah. just like filler. It is a little funny that like you know he props her on the back of the bike. Yeah, that's like, funny. oh, I'm seeing my dad, and they just they yeah. still wave him through, kind of like, like a dead corpse. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I do. I did. I do think that's funny. Um, she wakes up and she's like, "God, what a thrill!" She loves it. Um, again, she's having an orgasm. Yes, I like this stuff. Um, question: Do you know what the French call an orgasm? Le petite mort. Yeah. Yes, the little death. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wrapped if this all movie, like a bow. If this movie had played into this a little more that's the thing so i think they make a crucial mistake because he basically tells her hey you're dead like you died yeah and she's kind of freaked out about this she's like am i going to become that because they see the barrel he used to revive her the the zombie comes out of the barrel um i i think they should not have made her like sad to be dead because she wants to die right that's what you're getting from this beginning of the movie you're saying up she loves pain she's excited by death i think you make her happy to be a zombie and i think you play into the comedy of that you could still hit on a lot of the same themes and the same ideas i just think it makes the movie would make the movie more enjoyable i don't know i I think the central concept that they're trying to get to is that when you love someone you don't want to hurt them even if it's in your nature yeah, and her being excited to be a zombie would kind of go against that. Yeah, I suppose. I, I did want to say this Tar Man. It's their version of the Tar Man. It's someone that was in a barrel, which the second movie had, yeah. and it was also very similar. And like, it looked, okay. it looked okay. How he it's... moved his body. Yeah, That's, it doesn't have the same body movement because that first Tar problem. Man is like phenomenal like the yeah. physical acting yeah you could tell Alan me Trotman. doug jones was under that slime and i would believe it yeah but this one like it's it looks good it's again not the same body movement but cool when design. it the the skin like comes away from the skeleton right half of it oh. gorgeous yeah that's it's stuff, so beautiful that's stuff Ooh, chef's kiss great stuff right. i think everything before i think it's a cool design i think it, it looks really neat the problem with it, though, is like you said, that physical movement, it looks like a guy in a rubber suit when it's moving around. I, I don't think right. it moves well, and I don't think it's shot in a way to, like, really sell it. But then that effect is really good, yes. I, I absolutely give them credit for that. And I'll give them credit for some other effects in this movie, because I, I think it, it sometimes is pretty impressive. I but, think there's another one that is, like... <sighs> I want to say it's super impressive. They just yeah. don't shoot it well enough. That's, that's or my... they don't utilize it. Dude, you're taking we're, so many... We're really in sync in this episode, because you're, you're like, <laughs> literally are reading my notes almost exactly here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they they escape from the lab. Julie's all upset about being dead. 
and I pretty quickly she starts like cutting herself, you know? Well, it's that she well, she's hungry, but I think one yeah. of the funniest thing the funniest like real joke in the movie is she's like I smell bad. Do I smell bad? And she puts her fingers right under his nose. Yeah. And he still has to, like, turn his head like, no, you don't smell bad. <laughs> like, that That was actually, like, a yeah. good moment. But then uh, we just head into the racism. Yeah. Uh, so they go to a convenience store because she's talking about how hungry she is. So they stop to get her food. She runs in and starts just tearing open snacks and packages and starts eating on the floor. Oh my god, you, you made fun of me the other day about, you know, complaining about the wrong video game noises for some movie. But this is one of the worst offenders I've ever seen. It is the most generic, like, bleepy bloopy video game effects. But they have such clear shots of the Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition arcade machine that they're playing at. It's like, if you're going to do fake video game effects, do not, do not actually show us what they are playing because people in the audience who know the game you're taken out of it instantly create some sort of graphic like cover yeah like you can make it right it was hard for me to to see what game it was but um it is for hispanic people Mm -hmm. in uh you know southern california they're playing an arcade game in the back of a korean convenience store i feel like that's another of the racist thing that he is a Korean. Uh, I, I mean, feel like around that time, there are those with, in LA, uh, but you're right. Yes. That's, that's a topical the, the LA thing, riots yeah. and the whole thing, like with the, the, the Korean guy with a gun on top of it. I feel like right. that's what it's playing into. So, but, um, yeah, they make the a joke about her wants to leave. Right. And all the other ones are like, no, no, we're really into it. And then Philippe says to her, if we would have left when you wanted to, he would have never made it to level seven. Oh, yeah. What's level seven of Street Fighter 2? Come on, man. I mean. Who knows? Just, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they uh, Kurt bumps into one of them after they make a joke about Julie. And this sets them off because they're aggressive Mexicans who. Psychotic. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, during this little scuffle, the, the owner comes over to break it up. He's got a pistol on him. Uh, one of the other guys decides this is a great time to rob the store. The owner pulls the gun. There's a struggle. Owner gets gut shot. They all run away after shoot, also shooting Kurt's bike. And it's like, for one second, like, the leader is like, he's kind of like, oh, I just shot somebody. He's kind of like, you know, very gassed up. And it seems like he kind of regrets it, maybe. But then the other guy decides, no, I'm going to kick the guy who shot in the chest Mm-hmm. And we're also going to, like, brag about it as we run away and be like, ha-ha, evil Mexicans. And even later on, yeah, like, <laughs> like he points the, the, the I, I believe it's a revolver, not a pistol. Yes. Oh, I mean, but, a revolver, it's, uh, a, it's a revolving pistol. It's a pistol, right? That counts. It's a, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not, we're I'm not, not gun, gun guys. Guy. Yes, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but they eventually, like, uh, I think they just push over the bike. He, like, so shoot, he so shoots hard. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I put a bull in it. But, yeah. Um, so they get into the van, and the Korean shop owner like gets in yeah. with them, and she eventually. Well, they're running from the cops, which is just. And he's like, "Why are they chasing us? I don't understand it. They're shooting at them." Yes. Well, it's because I guess the implication is that the police are under orders by the military to bring Julian Kurt that, in. Yes. Right. And there's like Is a it brief... just the military? That would yeah. probably make more sense. There's a brief edit to them being like, hey, they've been located at this convenience store. 
and then it, but it's just so I guess the cops are given orders to just gun them down. It doesn't really make much sense to me either. There's, it, well, there's, it's that's, LAPD. I accept so, like that's their standing order. Is just okay. To so I was gonna say gun everyone down. Exactly. This is this is the funniest part of the movie to me because they show up and the the Korean guy's like, "Hey, hey, I'll just go with them. Let me out." And then they just start opening fire on the van. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Pretty accurate. Yeah, you know that that makes sense. So there's a chase, and the Korean uh, shop owner's shot in the head. I think the headshot looks pretty good. It's a good effect, a uh, good squib on that. Um, so they run into an alley. Curtis has, like, this is one of the... God, there's just so many little unnecessary things in this movie that uh, like, irritate me. Um, because he like drives very slowly up to this, like, dead end. And then it cuts to the inside of the van. And he goes, like... He, like, slams his hands, and then he goes, Damn, a dead end! And I'm like we we do not need this like yeah what is this we saw that visually yeah but julie is in the back having a nice little snack right and so this is i think this is the biggest difference between the two cuts um most of the footage that was removed is this part because there's like in the uncut one there's close-ups of her putting brains in her mouth and i think there's like more blood in the shot in general okay um, it's a little pared down and theatrical. It is noticeable. Like, you, you can tell when you watch him, uh, you know, two days in a row like I did, like back-to-back, basically. Uh, you can tell it's different. The theatrical also has a shot, a different reaction shot of Kurt, where, I don't know if the one you saw was like this, but it kind of did, if you remember in the first one, when Tarman first appears, there's that zoom on the actress's face. It's like a dolly zoom, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they try to do that again in the theatrical with Kurt seeing this, but it's a van, and I I got the impression they did not have nearly as much room to do the dolly zoom, so the effect is nowhere near as good. Like, you could tell they're trying to recreate that scene, and it doesn't really fully work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the theatrical, it's a a much more, like, stationary shot, or in the uncut one, it's more stationary, I would say. Anyway, she's eating the brains. This is the one time she says brains as a zombie. And it does not have anywhere near the same impact as Tarman saying brains in the other one. We, Yeah, that's true. We didn't even mention as the Hispanics are running out of the store. Oh, she bites one, yeah. Uh, she she grabs Mogo, right. which is just a, a great I, name. I feel like even having that name is pretty problematic, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, is it? I like. Is that something? I don't. It, know. it I... feels like it. <laughs> okay. In my gut, I'm offended by it somehow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like bites his arm, and it's it's something that's always been like, oh, specifically brains, yeah, and not just flesh. But she seems to be, she's fine with just flesh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's one of these changes I'm not that upset about. Like it's like okay, you know, sure. Um. So, yes, he's turning in the car as they're driving around. They're very hell-bent on getting revenge for Mogo now, overtaking him to a hospital. <laughs> like, like the female, the, the woman with them is like, let's get him help. And they're like, no, we need vengeance because we're, you know, evil Mexicans. They weirdly deduce that, like, because they drive by the alley and they, they see that what the, the cops... Right. The cops approach the van. The, one of the cops gets killed by the Korean zombie. Um... Military shows up to save the other cop. A fascinating scene because it it keeps cutting between 
the actual Korean actor yes. with the camera like so far shot down that you can't see the top of his head. Right. Uh, cut to a, a dummy a, missing the top of his head. Yeah. A pretty and bad it dummy. It doesn't match up. It is yeah. so comical, but it's not meant to be. Right. Um, I think, I feel like there's another scene where the theatrical and uncut are a little different. There's different shot selection here. But anyway. Okay. Um, so yes, the, the military shows up. They they kill, or they capture the zombie with the freeze gun. And then uh, the Mexicans see this and they're like, hey, there's only one way out of the alley, the sewers. Guess what? They're right. Um, weird that they know this, but they do. So Julie uh, is on the 7th Street or, Bridge, actual bridge in they LA. They say it'll be yeah. by the river. I right. Think. Yes. Yeah. And, and so that's what they do. And they, it, it's a whole like, well, sometimes dead is better kind mm-hmm. of conversation. Yeah. Exactly. So Julie is, she wants to put an end to it all because she's disgusted by what she did. Um, she decides to jump off the 7th Street Bridge. This should be a scene that is very emotional. It does, it's hinting at something interesting and good. Doesn't quite land. Julie lands when she jumps off the bridge in the water. Um, and he goes down there to retrieve her body. Uh, when he's down there, he comes across the river man who saw her jump. And this character, I like the actor, but just the entire character feels, again, I feel it in my gut that this is problematic it, it and is, offensive. It is racist, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, a, a homeless African-American individual who yeah. speaks quite eloquently. But and is also like, like singing songs constantly. and like, Again, the best person. Yeah, giving out like sage in wisdom. The movie. He's I, I very, do, yeah, altruistic and like everything he does. I, I do like his opening line. I'm not gonna impersonate his voice, but he's like, I saw a river once swallow three men back in New Orleans. Um, you know, it just like opened up like a viper and swallowed them whole. Just like her. Um He finds her body. Julie just pleading to Kurt, you know, why are you doing this to me when she rose that she's not dead? Like, well, she's lifeless, and then yeah. he kind of like smacks her around a little right. bit, and she coughs up some water, and you know they have the whole conversation. Yeah, but and her being Riverman's like, just like, come on, come with me, I can uh, lead you to safety. But that was the part of the movie where I felt the most emotion, where she's like, "Why are you doing this to me?" You know what I mean? Sure. Like, it's we talked about it with cat people a little bit, right? Like this guy, this thing where this guy wants to like own this person and can't let them go. You know. Even though they don't belong in wherever they are, they clearly it's not need, natural. It's not natural. They clearly need help, and there, there's a problem with them. But this guy is so like, uh, you know, like invested in keeping them theirs. You know what I mean? That they just can't let them move on. Um, there's something to this. I just the movie doesn't pull it off. Uh, yeah, Colonel Sinclair is like, okay, I'm taking over. We're going with my mechanical zombie plan. Um, and Colonel Reynolds is like, I'm going rogue with my... And some for some reason, some other guys in the army base are like, we're joining you. And they run off with Loyalty. the freeze gun. Yeah. Greg, come on. <laughs> so Riverman takes them to his lair. Um, he he starts sh- asking him what happened, and I he has a yeah. great line that I, I just want to put it like, I may live with rats, but I sure as hell ain't one of them. I, I like the line, and I do like this actor. He starts giving some very strange line deliveries here. <laughs> yeah, this is the one. And I'm sorry. Look, it's this how the written this, this is how the characters written and performed. But when he uh, Kurt mentions he's going to Seattle, 
what are you going to do in Seattle? Like, he says it so strangely. And it's such a weird conversation to have in the middle of this movie where he's like, I want to be in a, I'm going to be a drummer in a band. I've never actually been in a band, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, he's he just loves like, grunge. Like, yes. that's, Seattle was just the, the epicenter yeah. of it right then. And Riverman <laughs> gives him some encouragement. He's like, you really think I could do this? And he's like, hey, if it makes you happy, you know, if more people were happy in the world, it would be a better place. I'm like, okay, like, sure. It, it, um, we have to talk about like him giving the coin yes. to him. Oh, fucking like, oh god, it's so corny. It is because you know Riverman's favorite movie is Pay It Forward, starring <laughs> Kevin Spacey, and that's what he wants. Like, I'm doing you a favor, and yeah. I want you to take this coin. That do I someone got else a someone favor, right? Save somebody else, help them, and pass the coin along. And that's the thing: as long as the coin is being passed around. People are are being made happy or something, and mm. the more people that are happy, the better world. The better the world is. It, it's it sucks. This is a bad scene. It's really bizarre. <laughs> like it, it truly was giving me like whiplash, you know, because it's so strange. Um, yeah, the Mexicans show up. They start beating the door down, basically. Um, you know, we have some more with Kurt. No, no, oh, yeah. So they, they fuck. I forgot about this. They that fuck is true. again. We did. He, he fucks a corpse in this movie. Yeah. Um, well, so it's the the idea that, like, I guess, like, we got to get into, and we're, we're already going along. But the fact of yeah. the matter is that she's already been obsessed with pain. Right. And now she realizes that if she inflicts damage upon herself, she no longer feels the hunger yes. for human brains. And that she is able to then fuck her boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Is this I, the first like confirmed necrophilia we've had on this podcast? No. Pet Cemetery 2, they sort of imply that Clancy Brown fucks his wife, right? When he's dead. That is, uh, hey, good yeah. pull. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, she says she can't, she says she can't keep pretending that she's not the same person that he once loved, right? That things are different. Um, again, I like this conversation. I like the idea of it. It's just like, and I think she's great at expressing these emotions. I think that that he's not playing off this well. You know that maybe the chemistry between them isn't quite there or something. He's not good. He's not good. He's at not good. Anything. Yeah, he's really not that. No, he's not. And he's not even like that terrible. I mean, he's just not that good, right? Like, there's worse performances in this movie. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So this is okay. So what happens is the River Man is giving them the space to fuck in his room, in his bed. Um, they the Mexicans start torturing him as this is happening. Kurt comes See, out. I keep also saying Hispanic, and you keep seeing Mexican. I, you're allowed to, but like I'm, yeah. like, I'm not judging. <laughs> I, I look. I they could they could be South American. They could be Portuguese. They could be uh not Portuguese, but they could be um uh Brazilian. They could be Guatemalan. They could be a lot of things. So right, you're right. I'm sorry, the Hispanics, the the Latinx people. Uh, that's yeah. probably better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I probably say being racist saying that. So no, 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 uh, you're fine. Um, I, I I give you the pass. You know, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Kurt comes out getting beat up by them. As this is happening, we keep cutting to Julie as she's transforming into her Queen of the Dead look, as I kept calling it in the book. This is the iconic image of this movie for a reason. I think the prosthetics on her, the design of it, pretty fucking fantastic. 
right? Mm-hmm. And even better than I realized, because like I said, I hadn't seen this movie, but I knew the poster for it. And I knew the look with the, the glass inside of her arms, the, the spikes in her hands, you know, like the wires coming I out of her think, thing, all this stuff looks great. I think it's a good design. Maybe yeah. not the, always the best execution. What I did um, not know about One of about my it, favorites though, yeah. uh, is she cuts out little slits in her neck yeah, and she's yeah. able to weave in and out a little right. chain. And that and this one is, where I... is really fun. This is the thing, this is the closest movie gets to being, like, a good horror movie, because this stuff is pretty upsetting. Because, like, Mm -hmm. I think the effects in this are really good, and when you see her, like, drive glass into her skin and push that, like, spike through her hand and stuff, that stuff is pretty intense. Like, that's some really good gore and shit right there. Um, But the part I I didn't realize is that she's just walking around with with her breasts exposed, and, like, the nipples are pierced. That yep. is something I did not know about, and I was like, whoa, that's that's good design, and instantly made it more <laughs> iconic, and like a little boundary pushing in a way. I don't know. But uh, I liked it. A Anyways. Weird, oh, no, some Santos. weird trivia about this. I gotta say. No, no, weird okay. trivia about this. So, it's obviously, it's false breasts that are showing in this design, right? The guy that did the makeup for this is was, at the time, married to Liana Quigley, who was in the first movie, who played Trash. Oh. The yeah. mold of her breasts are rumored to be a mold of Liana Quigley's breasts. Is it perhaps the one from, um, oh god, what's the the Night of the Demon? Yes, the one with the lipstick. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But I think yeah. this that is the best possible way to carry on something from the first movie. That Liana's, yeah. Liana Quigley's breasts return as a prosthetic. Like... That's that's kind of genius, you know. I love that. So yes, uh, Santos and them show up. They're beating up Kurt and stuff. Julie has a great entrance when she comes out and shows off her her design. Looks really cool. It is instantly undercut by her basically doing nothing as Santos just right. kind of walks up. It's like let's go have some fun and like well, takes he her says, off the you fucker. don't look like you have rabies to me. Yeah, you look like my kind of bitch. And then yeah, they He's... just go into the back room. Yeah, he's not intimidated by all, but the fact that she has glass, nails, razors, like, all this shit sticking out of her skin. Kinky. He he doesn't really think, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, you hear him screaming after he's like, you know, he's making some sex noises, and then he starts screaming. And it is the fucking, one of this the coolest is great. things. Is yeah, she this basically is basically just, like, pulled his head up. Yeah. To where the base of his spine is now where his neck should be. She did like half of Sub-Zero's fatality and stopped, you know? <laughs> what wonderful idea. And then he eventually starts getting up and walking around. Yeah. And it like it doesn't work. Like they yes. didn't have the money right. to pull it off. It is one of the best ideas I've ever seen in a zombie movie. Yeah. And they just they don't have no, the budget I, like the capabilities like, right. like that's exactly what they don't utilize it enough i i totally agree i i absolutely agree it, it's it sucks right in this time mogo is also getting up as a zombie attacking uh felipe he bites oh, his lip looking off so I, I, rough. I really do like that moment of him like chewing like ripping his bottom lip off and like exposing mm-hmm. like the 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 bone beneath that's pretty good that effect looks great um yeah, Julie attacks uh, the the girl, I forget her name, stabs her in, like, the ankle or something with, like, the spike in her wrist. That's pretty cool. I wanted much more of Julie fucking people up, you know? 
Like, it doesn't happen nearly enough in this. I read some quote, it was that, uh, you know, Yuzna wanted... He was so unhappy about how little screen time the Bride of Reanimator got that he yeah. wanted more screen time. He for, says this in the book, yeah. Yeah, and it I don't think they get that much no. time, for, especially for this look. He says he wanted like, it to be from a zombie's perspective. Thing. Right. He said it wanted... Yeah. But it it's is, not it from Dewey's perspective. It's on the poster. Like, you, you look at that and you see, like, okay, cool, I know what I'm getting into. And it's for five minutes, maybe. Yeah. Barely that. I know. It, it, it's, it's, it sucks. Like, it's they really dropped the ball on it. I think the part of that is, like, Brian Yusin had the concept of, like, hey, I want to do this romance. I want it to be from the zombie's perspective. But the screenwriter, John Penny, I think he even says in the book that, like, he kind of focused more on the role of Kurt, and he maybe kind of even regrets that. He even admitted, mm-hmm. like, I maybe gave too much of the character of Kurt, and it distracted from Julie. So they're aware of that problem, too, like the filmmakers. So all the Hispanics turn into zombies. Yeah. Julie and Riverman try to leave, and then Kurt finds Julie eating Riverman. Right. Again, doesn't deserve the fate no. he receives. And Kurt is really His... fucking stupid for even sending them off together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's lost it to where she's going to eat him until he bats her in the head with a steel pipe. Right. Uh, she comes to her senses, but then his dad shows up. They shoot her with the freezing pill, and they all go he, back to the He lets them complex. be taken. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everyone gets taken back. The, the scientists are really fucking stupid. Um, there's a little moment between Kurt and them. Where he's like, oh, we'll take a couple weeks between us now and Oklahoma City. You know, like, I feel bad for this. They're trying to make you, like, think, oh, maybe the dad's not such a bad guy when he's a military colonel who is working on a project to turn the dead into bioweapons so they can drop them on the on their enemies. There's zero chance we're going to feel anything but contempt for this character. But they try right. to make you realize, maybe he can be a good dad. And you're like, no, 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 not at all. Come on. Like, bullshit. They want you to feel like David Morse in The Good Son, like they're <laughs> going to have a moment together, but no. Right. It's not, it's not there. Yes, so, of course, there's a scientist when he's looking at Julie in her cage, and he's like, yep, gonna be a weapon, they're they're turning that one right now, and you see the river man getting bolted into this mechanical suit. That looks cool. I love yeah, that he says great. meat batteries. That's <laughs> yeah. a phenomenal term. It's a good line. We I should think bring back, yeah. The scientist is a bad actor, though. I like the line, it, but he's pretty bad. I feel like I've seen him in other things, too. Yeah, he, he yeah, did look familiar. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So uh, then he's like, yep, and this one's next. The scientist is really fucking stupid. Uh, it seems like it was literally just like a padlock on Julie's thing and like not even a fully locked one because almost instantly Kurt just like opens it and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And then they get attacked. They. This is the thing about the, the first scene too when the, uh, the test zombie like gets up and starts attacking everybody. Their procedures for like locking this stuff down, terrible. They wait, they wait till, like, two scientists are dead before they even, like, seal off the room in that first scene. And in this one, the Colonel Sinclair is like, get the gun! And there's just a normal shotgun on the wall against yeah. un- against zombies that they know are unkillable. It's, it's those like, fucking budget cutters in Congress, Greg. Oh, yeah. I you, swear to yeah. God. You know Congress constantly giving less money to the military. Yeah, those exactly. fucking... Those fools. Oh. They're not protecting this country. 
Oh, man. So, yes, uh, the zombies start getting out. They start running rampant. This should be way more fun than it is. I kept seeing in the book, Yuzna was talking about how, like, and everything goes crazy in the third act. And I'm like, I yeah, I guess so. But it looks bad. And, like, <laughs> it's not, like, so crazy, you know? Um, it's not like the third one where they're driving, or the first one, I mean, where they're driving the car through hordes of zombies. They're, like, knocking Tarman's head off, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, 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 Freddy what, is like trying name? to like break into the Freddy, like, trying, yeah, like yeah. It's, I could smell right. your brain. Oh, so good. Oh, are you kidding me? Um, so yeah, I do like the effects of Riverman as a mechanical zombie. Uh, they convince that is him pretty dope. They convince him to help Julian Kurt escape by giving him the coin, and he remembers. And so he opens the door. It's corny as fuck. Um, <laughs> he gets like all his like limbs shot off by. Colonel Sinclair, and it looks good, but Colonel Sinclair is, like, doing some really bad, like, tough person acting, like, shooting yeah. a gun and stuff. And, and then, then it's, like, like oh, there's a, yeah. a barrel right behind her that just, right. like, a zombie pops up and eats her. They, they just, like, shoot off a fog machine and, like, some Halloween decorations pop up and grab yeah. her. Like, yeah. it, looks, it looks so bad. I, again, like, that is one of the, like, poor direction moments. Yeah. Like, you could do something there, but yeah. they didn't. The cheap looking, yeah, the, the cheap looking set is on fire, <laughs> and everything's burning down. Uh, Kurt and Julie get locked behind like a closing door. They have a chance to escape because the dad is like holding it with a fire extinguisher, but Kurt's like, "No, I got bit by another zombie, so like I'm gonna turn. I'm fucked. I want to be with Julie." And they steal James Karen's big moment from the first one, and they immolate themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it just goes to credits. I was seeing in the book that apparently Yuzna wanted to just pan up to ashes, like shooting up into the sky, which would have been mm. a that that's a that's a decent idea for an ending. Like as Return of the Living Dead fans, if you would know what that means, right? Exactly, right. And he was saying too, it's like oh, I want to I wanted to imply that Kurt and Julie's love would live on forever in that way. I'm like, that's no, that's I like, like a that. plot point in the first right. one. Why didn't it end that way? I don't know why yeah. it just cuts the credits. It's weird you can't get a single shot of just, like, ashes rising. You could have just, like, reused the footage from the first one in stock footage, you know? Um nope. Not enough time. Not enough nah, money. Nah, it's over. I hate this movie. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm what probably... are we going to rate this out of? Uh, um, uh, Half-eaten hostess cakes? Uh, oh, that's got... good. Uh, Riverman's uh, uh, Riverman friendship coins? Ooh, collectible coin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they should have. Been, they should have come. Happy, you know, McDonald's should have been promotion giving out the Riverman coins toy. Level yeah. sevens. I don't know. <laughs> Nipple piercings. That's good. Um, glass piercings because you know she puts glass through herself. Uh, I think all of the gore, all of the self like harm stuff looks pretty good. I was. I'm just gonna say. Um, Damn, I don't know. Like, what's even like that iconic? I, I, I like the Riverman coins. outfits. Yeah, I, I, I like collectible Riverman coins. I think that's good. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Let's go. It. Yeah, I, I hate this movie. <laughs> I, I know I'm being way too hard on it. Like, honestly, it's like there's stuff to like about it. I think that there's uh, thought and care put into it, but the budget and just like competence of the direction, you know, I think drag it down. That the music is terrible throughout it i think that score is really cheap sounding and um if you just had like you don't even have to go punk they mentioned him going to seattle and stuff if you had like a grunge soundtrack over this <laughs> yeah you know like yeah. playing playing into the melodramatic emotions 
of the romance, I think you would have a stronger case here, you know, for doing something this different with the franchise. I do think, um, to clear up what I was trying to say earlier about part threes, where I didn't wasn't exactly, like, super eloquent, I think part threes have a tough position because it's like, okay, do we double down on what's, you know, people liked about the first one? Or do uh, we put Ewoks in it? Right. Do we course correct? Do we do something radically different? Like, you're kind of fucked no matter which way you go. You're going to piss off somebody, you know? It's, it's either like, oh, you're just doing the same thing again and again and again, or you completely betray the spirit of the first one. I think this lands somewhere squarely in the middle, you know, where it's like, okay, we're doing something different, doing a romance, right? But we're trying to get back to, like, kind of maybe the, the darker tone of the first one. But we're also removing any and all comedy from the movie, but also, we're, you know, doubling down on the gore because the second one was so kid-friendly. And it just doesn't really know what exactly it wants to do. It feels so in reaction to part two and one, you know? But when it should have been its own thing, it, I don't know. Look, man, I, I gave it one and a half. Like, I think that um, the performance of uh, Mindy... What is her name? Uh... <laughs> Uh, Mindy Clark, Melinda Clark, I think she's great, and everybody else is pretty bad. It's racist. It looks like shit. There's some good effects, but a lot of poor ones, too. 1.5, man. 1.5 collectible Riverman coins. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you at 1.4 collectible Riverman coins. Yeah. Um, it's, it's missing the goofiness that the first one had and like we're trying it's hard not to like compare everything to that one because it it really is not fair again a pretty perfect movie but that one had such tongue-in-cheek comedy and the send more cops send more paramedics like there was a lot of intelligent jokes in that um just along with the 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 wide cast of characters and that we love everybody yeah who is like being attacked by zombies and i kind of hate everybody in this movie <laughs> like right. I, besides river again besides Riverman, he's really the only person and it, he gets the worst fate he is the one put in that like constricting metal thing there's uh, a line kurt's dad says at some point when he meets her and like she tells about the exoskeleton he's like well i'm glad they gave the contract to me at least it's like more humane you know <laughs> right. something along that lines and it, it is uh like you're not being humane you're bringing the dead back to life to then kill more people yes and create more get dead. it through your fucking like, skull right there's it's it's so the the plan is so poorly thought out and i don't know if the movie wants you to realize how fucking flawed it is or not like it's terrible it's an awful stupid stupid plan but it doesn't feel like i feel like in the first one you see the stupidity of the military in that right there's even the whole thing of like hey typical government fuck up they sent these fucking contaminated corpses to a medical yes. supply warehouse but like, the military is dumb in the first one but the, it's but it's, it's satirical you know but the also the we keep cutting to the one guy who's yeah. like cold and clinical right. and efficient. That yes. like as soon as he finds it out, it's like, well, we're just gonna nuke the area, but, and you know we'll fucking yeah. like uh, play it up as some you know an explosion, whatever. Right. Um, 
But then there's the brilliant satire in that too, because you realize that plan is also stupid because you're just creating yeah. more more acid rain. Like we'll the just first one, let it, it wash away. Yeah. yeah, the first one really does have such a handle on its tone, you know, and like a handle on what it's trying to say. It's talking about like. It's a punk movie, and that is a movie about how, like, every institution is flawed and stupid and will fuck everything up, like, especially the American government and military. Like, they are bad, and it's set, it's satirizing how bad, they're, how bad they are, you know? And it tricks you and for it, one second into thinking that they're maybe good at this, but then it pulls the rug out from under you, you know? Right, and there's even, even also a commentary on just, like, the lax, like, lackadaisical, uh, emotions about death like they work yeah. in the medical facility and it's like a gimmick to go and look at the cadaver yes right exactly and joke about them and like laugh at these people that were like our corpses and are dead there's a yeah. throwaway line there's such a th- there's a great throwaway line in that first one when he's showing him the corpse hanging in the freezer and he's like yeah we're sending it off to the military for ballistics testing and then they just move on from it but it's like that line is dark and nihilistic but also funny because it's like yeah this they're gonna take this body and they're gonna shoot bullets and and bombs at it and blow it up and that's fucked up but they don't like linger on it they just like toss it out there and they move along it's just like one little like thread in the fabric of that movie you know um anyway this this is your review i'm sorry (laughs) it is such a like i think that's a good analogy it's like it's such a uh wonderfully constructed like sweater yeah. And this is, like, a ratty, like, the holes are too big in it. Like, they didn't use the right kind of gauges when they're, like, knitting it or whatever. And it's yeah. just falling apart. Because and it was made with love, but it still is, you would never wear it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's that it's that Christmas sweater that you get. And you're, you're like, just like no, no, I like it. Yeah, I love it. Yes, yes. Course, oh, I, oh, yeah, yeah. It's so good. And then you, a couple years later, someone asks about it. And you're like, oh, you know, I think I lost it in a move. Like, and I was yeah. really broken up about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it burned up in a fire. I just, it was so sad. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's the end of the Return <laughs> of the Living Dead Part Three. It's just three, not Part Three. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So, um, the movie we're going to watch next week, selected by yours truly, is known as The Final Conflict, The Omen Three from 1981, yeah. starring Sam Neill. Um, I've actually never seen any of these movies. So I'm any, kind of excited of to check them out. Any of them. Wow. Oh, I that's, worked that's at the theater when the remake came out. And oh. I, yeah, have never seen anything. The remake is one of these infamous movies I've talked about a lot where the trailer scared me so bad. Um, whenever it was on TV, I was 12 years old when it came out. And yet I was being like shaken to my core by the the trailer showing the 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 woman jumping off the building jumping off yeah yeah Yeah, i saw that enough um i'm excited uh, for you oh julia styles i almost said naomi watts no julia styles that makes Ah. sense david thewis is in that oh ooh, yeah i've never seen the remake well yeah yeah well well maybe maybe i'll uh, be able to commentary on it after Mm. next week okay so um Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. Uh, we have email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. Both Twitter and Instagram, both at weeklymassacre. 
You are G Anderson 19 on Letterbox. I am Murfinturf, so you should hit us up. Let us know if your father works in a top secret military base that you can just like stroll right into. Um, if your favorite movie is Pay It Forward, or if you also have a Zardoz outfit, I want to yeah. hear from you. And send pictures with that one, yeah. Prove it. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but until next time, if we would have left when you wanted to, he would have never made it to level seven. <laughs> what are you going to do when you go to Seattle? Like, oh, God. I, that that was a line that just fucking broke me with this movie. Like, I just, I just put my head in my hands and, like, cried, you know? Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>